in Taiwan Talk this week. There are some unique attributes to Taiwan that do attract people here, I, I, but I think that there's still a lot that can be done. YouTube co-founder Steve Chen made Taipei his home during the COVID-19 pandemic. During that time, he managed to take a close look at the island's startup ecosystem, and he shared his observations with us in this encore presentation of Taiwan Talk. I remember. Twenty years ago, Taiwan was one of the four tigers. There, it was doing such a fantastic job in being able to really internationalize, especially in the、uh, certain industries, in the semiconductor industry, and especially on the sort of the technology front. It was always at the forefront of it. But I, I do notice that for the last couple decades, I guess the peers at the time, South Korea, I think Singapore, they've continued to. Grow internationally, right? I don't know for what reasons because I was really abroad. We started seeing that many more events, more more launches, more press, more product contests, startup competitions in Singapore, in Korea. Nothing of that sort was done from Taiwan. A lot more of the. Southeast Asian Asian startups that were getting created. Their headquarters were based in Singapore. A lot of the venture capital companies they were launching their branches and their their satellite offices for all of the Asian investments in Singapore. And then in Korea,、uh, even with Samsung and LG, a lot of their products really started springing to life in the last couple of decades. Whereas I think like just Taiwan didn't seem to have the startup ecosystem that would actually make it easy to be able to create these startups. Upset, really internationalized. And after coming here, I saw that there was a lot of ideas that were being created here, but it was all very local. And I think it's unfortunate because with the 23 million people in Taiwan, it's big enough where if you are successful with a local company, you are doing okay. I mean, I think that、uh, you would be. Happy with what you have. It's not small like Singapore, where you have to, from day one, from minute one, think about how you're going to expand your product outside of Singapore because there's no way a viable, long-term product is going to survive with just six million people. So in a way, it's kind of a curse that Taiwan has so many people living on the island because with 23 million people, it is enough. To be able to get a team of founders and early employees to be happily employed and doing well with a startup that's just focused within the borders of Taiwan, I would love to do something to be able to alter that thinking a bit to see. So, what are the hurdles? What are the challenges to get people to start thinking beyond? You know, to have that strategy of how are we going to really. Expand this outside. As I've been here for a number of years, I think there are actually many, many, many variables in that equation. It's not easy. I think that it's going to take some time to be able to do. You visited Singapore. You visit Korea now, and there's so much international presence in those countries, and it's just kind of lacking here in Taiwan. But I think that there's a lot more that could be done in every one of these areas. For example, with the gold card, once you step out of that airport, you have no idea. I mean, you have. No idea how to hail the taxi. You have no idea where to be living. How to actually get established? How to you know from the basics of like how to get a credit card or how to get a a SIM card for your phone. And if I didn't have the roots here in Taiwan, if I were really just completely thinking on what's going to be the easiest place to be able to to sort of plan ourselves, Singapore would have been much. Easier to do, but I think that there are some unique attributes to Taiwan that do attract people here. I, I, but I think that there's still a lot that can be done to be able to welcome and to eventually create that bridge from, for whatever reason, people are coming to Taiwan. 
to actually being able for these people to be productive and to, to be constructing, to be building something and to be giving back. And many of them wish and want to, but I think it's an uphill challenge for many of them. And all along, I mean, we compared to Silicon Valley about fundraising, about marketing, about trying to find people here that have international experience, hands-on international experience. It's difficult, it's challenging to do. But I am hopeful. I think that there are a lot of people with that mindset of wanting to reach that same goal. And within the last few years, a lot of friends that have come back from that I've known from Silicon Valley over the years, they've decided to stay and also be behind the same same cause. And so we we still actually regularly meet up and just talk about so what's the best way that we can do uh, we, we, we can try to do something here and who, who are the best um, sort of allies and who are the best people that we should be working with to be able to make this happen. I mean, my continued commitment to Taiwan isn't completely just because I was born here, right? I do think that there's the sort of pros and cons. There are definitely items that are in the pros bucket. I think uh, compared to Silicon Valley engineers, the productivity of the engineers, of the individual contributors from the engineering side, from design, user interface, UI, UX, from backend engineering, system engineering, iOS apps, Android apps, I would say they were absolutely comparable to any one that I would find in the Bay Area. So that's good. And in fact, that's the reason that many people are leaving the Bay Area when they're starting companies is that those are so hard to find now in, in Silicon Valley. Qualified engineers and the demand and pay is so much coming uh, from these, these individuals that it's it requires so much fundraising just to get the core group of engineers ready. Leaders need to have the, the C-level executives really need the founders need to have a long-term vision of saying like, um, it's not just about reaching you know, profitability in, in a year's time and then saying going to IPO in a year and a half, two years. It's really thinking long-term about we're going to require series, you know, seed round series, A, B, C fundraising. We're, we're going to be cash flow negative for a few years and we're going to get by with fundraising and we're thinking not about monetization but really i mean kind of going back to what google has done with youtube is that it's about really pleasing the users user expansion getting the number of videos uploaded you know really being able to expand the the brand expanding the global uh use and adoption of the product before thinking about selling out or before thinking about going public. And you may need to make sure that the employees also share that. I think it's important that employees see the value in having equity, having stocks rather than just pure salary, which is a commitment to um, sort of the long-term vesting period usually is over a, a four-year period in Silicon Valley. So at least there's like a four-year commitment from the employees that we're going to be here for a long time. And that also goes to the investors themselves. I hear a lot of the companies here, what the local investors are looking for a rapid return on their investments. And the, it's if there's anybody at the top level, the investors need to also be there to think that this investment, this check that I'm writing, it's a long-term investment and I'm going to be along the way with the founders to solve all the problems that are going to be coming up in the next four years. You were listening to YouTube co-founder Steve Chen. And that does it for this week's edition of Taiwan Talk. I'm Hope Go. Do join us again next time. Thank you for tuning in.